But we're going to read Psalm 19. This is written by King David, moved by the Holy Spirit. And I think it's an example to us of, of, of what we should think about as we approach the worship of the Lord each week. Listen to the psalmist. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice voice goes out through all the earth and all the words to the end of the world. In them He has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving His chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuits to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect. Revealing the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Wherever by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep me back, your servant, also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for what You've given this treasury, this hymn book that You've given to us, that You moved in the, uh, your, your servant David to write. Lord, we pray now as we talk about this passage, You would encourage us. In Jesus' name, Amen. R.D. Weed, if you're familiar with me or my brother Paul Sanders or my brother Rhett, you've heard R.D. Weed stories. He's a dear family friend. Artie Wheat grew up in a Baptist church, and uh, he was one of those deacons that just always was against everything. I I think he was trying to seem smarter than he was, and so whenever somebody brought up something for the church to do, Artie Wheat would shoot it down and then give you all the reasons why it wasn't a good idea. I call it Barney Fife Syndrome. So Artie Wheat's at a deacon's meeting, and um, one of the deacons, um, through much thought and Prayer and consideration brings up uh, something he feels the church should invest in. And you picture the pastor sitting in the table, kind of moderating the, the meeting. And the, um, this guy said, I, I make the motion that we as a church invest in some chandeliers. As soon as chandeliers exit his voice, R.D. Weaves like, I'm against it. That's what he always does. And the pastor kind of. Size. He said, all right, R.D., why are you against it? Well, I'm against chandeliers. I'm against our church invested in chandeliers. I'm against it for three reasons. Everybody just sitting there kind of rolling their eyes. And 
He said, first of all, ain't nobody in our church who can spell it. So how could we order? He said, second, if we could spell it and we were able to get one, ain't nobody in our church could play it. And he said, third, I don't see why we want to spend all this money on a chandelier when what this church needs is some lights. I love R.D. Weed. Uh, he kind of has a picture of how we are. We are just, we just so often don't get it. And I really don't, I, I mentioned this early in the preaching, we don't get it when it comes to worship. I mean, if we really got it, if we really comprehended who God was to the fullest extent, can you imagine our worship service? I really enjoyed it. I'm not putting us down, but I'm saying we would blow the doors off. We would let nothing keep us from coming every Sunday to worship Him. Nothing would keep us from it. When we come here, we wouldn't think about ourselves. If we really got it, we wouldn't think about ourselves and how people interact with us and whether they hit, hit it on the mark or whether they missed us or whether they... We wouldn't worry about that stuff. It's just, I want to gather wherever God's people are, is gathering and I want to worship Him. If we really got it, if we really got it, we go to bed at 9 o'clock last night. Instead of staying up watching the tail end of the Clemson game. I did that. We want to give God our best, not our leftovers. We wouldn't want to stay up till 1 a.m. on Saturday night, young people. We would want to go to bed as early as we could. So that when we came to worship God, we could... I mean, when Clemson's playing, I'm going to bed early Friday night. My truck is packed. Not my truck, my car is packed. For tailgating if I'm going to Clemson. I am resting my voice so that I can do my part in that game. So you see that there's just a lot of places. And, and, and y'all, when we talk about our sins and, our, and the sins we don't see, think of how often we just come here and the whole time, let's say we get it all, we just think about ourselves. What we're going to do in a few minutes. Will he keep it under the time? David seems like he's going in slow motion this morning. The psalmist is great. He's a great resource for us. It's their hymn book. Don't you love it? I used to have a professor who would have us sing the Psalter. And we would sing, all, all the men in the seminary would just sing the Psalter together. And it really sounded good. And we would sing just words that, the, the, that God inspired men to write down. And we, and we, sing, uh, we sing these things. And, we, and the, the Psalms are a great resource for us to be encouraged in our worship. And we see David's example. I mean, just think about how we approached it today, how we'll approach it next week. We're going to continue to struggle with this until we're in eternity. We're going to continue to struggle with being self-centered people when we come to church and worship Him. We'll, we'll continue to struggle giving God leftovers instead of our best. And so here the psalmist, he gives us, he gives us kind of a, I'd say a, a a map of how, how we should approach His worship, I guess is the way I would word it. And he starts with God's creation. He says, the heavens, plural, the heavens declare your glory. And then this word declares, the heavens preach. You know, God's given us two preachers in this passage. The creation and His word. We're going to deal with the first one right now. Creation is a preacher of the glory of God. It's not a perfect preacher. Okay? Doesn't teach us how to be saved. Creation doesn't teach us about Jesus Christ saves alone. But Romans 1 says creation has made it known. Has made it known to all men that God exists. I see some college students here. Think about what you're hearing 
in college all the time, especially if you're going to a liberal college. In regards to the, even the thoughts that there's a God. And Romans 1 says, God has made Himself clearly known. Everybody knows that He exists. Just like everybody knows that somebody built this. If I came in here and said, y'all, let me just tell you what happened here. This thing just happened. It just kind of happened. It kind of grew out of this bacteria thing and it just happened. You would say, David, you're a fool. It screams out a creator. It screams out that something made this. Right? Yet, in the halls of academia, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. In the halls of academia, where the smartest people are, it can't even be an option that there's a God. Isn't that ludicrous? When we look at how complex, I'm more complex than that piece of junk. I can see you with my eyes. I can eat food and my body knows what to do with it without me telling what to do with it. I can feel pain down on this end all the way up to my brain. And yet, in the halls of academia, these, these type of things just encourage me that God exists. It gives me, it gives me confidence that there is a God and there is a Creator. He has been so gracious to us in that regards. Yet the smart people who are the fools are saying you can't even consider that or you're an idiot. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just take time to bask in just what's in this room and the complexity of what's in this room and it screams out, there is a God. And that's what the psalm is saying. He's saying, not about us people in this room that declares that there's a God. He's saying the heavens declare. The heavens preach. And there's three ways that the heaven preaches. It doesn't preach perfectly, but it preaches in three ways. Let me give these to you. These are not originally with me, but I, want, I think they're, they're helpful to you. Y'all worried about how long I go? Maybe you're not. Justin, Justin can preach long too. I love his preaching, okay? The heavens never stop preaching. It is one continual sermon. Never stops. Now we are, we are allowed not to think about it in moment, but God has given us a continual sermon that I exist. I am here. This is one of his preachers. And he's saying, this is what the psalm is saying, the heavens declared it, preaches it. It, it shows your handiwork. It shows that, that there's something greater. That's why the tribes that have never even heard of God are thinking there's got to be something greater than me. Let's worship something. Yet you're dumb if you even say that there's a possibility that God created the world in the halls of academia. Doesn't that make that verse ring so clearly? It says that the wise are fools. The simple will be exalted. Oh, it's just, it, I just, it's not, I tell you, God has used His creation to give me no doubt that He exists. That's the, the first truth. Just no doubt. And the psalmist says, he says, this preacher preaches forever. He never stops preaching, this preaching of His creation. The second thing is there's no language barrier. Last week I got to worship with Monte Calvario. Some of y'all have been connected with Monte Calvario. It's our, another church, not, it's kind of a church plan, it's not quite there, but it's a Spanish ministry of our church. There, and it was so hard for me to preach. It was so hard for me to tell that R.D. Lee story. I was hoping Glenn could make it, I mean not Glenn, but um, Mauricio could make it funny. Can he translate? They not even know what a chandelier is in their culture. I don't know. But y'all think about this with creation, the preacher creation. There's no language barrier. It doesn't matter what you speak. It doesn't matter how you talk. The, the, the creation proclaims it speaks, it speaks multi-languages. It crosses all those barriers. Look at what this passage says. It says, 
There is no speech nor language, verse 3, where the voice is not heard. You see, the multicultural aspect of this preacher he is so gifted. And then the third one is it's everywhere. Does it, does it just go all the time? You see in this passage, it's everywhere. It says, their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. There's no barriers. There's no, right now I'm just preaching to y'all. Creation preaches God's glory all over the world right now at the same time. It's a wonderful preacher, but not a perfect preacher. Doesn't give us all the answers. It just says God is. God is. Look, you see in, in, in this latter part, let's skip down to verse 7. The psalmist then, he gets into this, this speech about the Word of God. I, I like, I, I don't have many opportunities to talk to atheists. Some of y'all might have more of those. But I, I, just, I, just, I just see those are the two starting. God, okay, God has made Himself known through creation. Could he possibly want to make himself known even more specifically? We had a great Bible conference this past, uh, two, two, I guess, early October, and it's on our webpage it, it, about the, the uh, about the um, authenticity of the word. What? Yeah, the candidacy of Scripture. How do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? And we got a professor from RTS Charlotte Kruger. Uh, who came and spoke on it. And there's four sessions. I commend them to you. One, he spends time talking about the attacks on Scripture. Okay, what are the major areas where the people attack Scriptures? And then he, the second session, he talks about how we're to respond to those attacks. Then Sunday morning worship, he talks about um, how do we know it's the Word of God. And then he talks in the Sunday school hour about how do we know, why do we just have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the Gospels when there's these other Gospels out there? Very insightful. Very helpful in that area. But the psalmist doesn't get to that. He just says, I love your word. I delight in it. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. He says it converts the soul. I mean, how many of us sitting in here could say, I can talk about the impact of God's word on our life. How, how He transformed our life by hearing the preached Word or maybe hearing the spoken Word at a camp or a VBS and hearing those things. And then as we grown spiritually and we've learned more about God's Word, we start to see that it's not, it's alive. It's unlike any book. It's a living, that's why God called the living Word. It's alive, it's transforming us. He says, the, Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. Let me, let me ask you this question. How much of the Bible did David have when he wrote this song? He doesn't anywhere in this passage say the word of the Lord is complete right now. What does he have? What does King David have? Maybe the five books of the law. Maybe you could throw Joshua and Judges in there. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the word he has. The Holy Spirit has opened his eyes to what's going to happen. He knows that he needs a Savior. You can even see it in this passage toward the end. He says, he says, he uses the term Redeemer in verse 14. Oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. He knows he needs to be purchased. He knows he needs to be bought back. But he only has a portion of God's Word. We have it it's in its entirety. We have the complete Word of God. 
And how often do we walk around not delighting in His Word? And David is delighting in the book that he read in Leviticus. Deuteronomy is the, um, is the second giving of the law. It's like a repetition because they had a whole new generation that had to learn it. We have so much more than King David does. Do we delight in it? And what do you delight in? Young people, what do you delight in? David's saying, soak in his creation and delight in his word. He's saying, it converted my soul. He says, the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We already talked about God's, and in, in it's so amazing. God gives us all these things of encouragement. He says, you know, those who think they're wise, they're going to be dumb. And we see that all the time. If you watch anything on the news, you see the stupidity in light of the, 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 the great truth from Scripture. You're just like, oh my goodness. You see the major inconsistencies. I'm not saying we don't have inconsistencies. But think about the world who doesn't believe in God, the atheists who don't. They live as though they do believe. Well, you can't kill, you can't. Well, if there's no God, you should be all those things. How are we any different than animals? You said we're not. You see the inconsistency. The people who are most pro-abortion would, 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 would want you put in jail if you killed a, kill a dog in the womb or something. If you did something bad to some animal or you did something, you know, they, they, would, they would blow up on those things. And then you think about some of the simplest people you've met who love God with all their heart and you, you who can bear testimony to the wisdom. And he's saying the Word of God makes the simple wise. It makes the ones who don't have the degrees and the diploma brilliant. The ones who just spend their time delighting in God's Word and studying God's Word every day. And they might not know how to do everything, but they have this wisdom that's beyond. It's wisdom, and you see these people who supposedly have all the wisdom and there's chaos in their, their life. There's inconsistencies in their life. He says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I mean, rejoicing the heart. Think about what we rejoice in. I was thinking. I was thinking about my son Hart plays football and he scored. I guess second game of the season. I never. I played many years of football. Never scored a point. Just never played that position. And I remember just rejoicing in that as, as Hart was running off the field. I felt. I felt tears to my eyes because he'd experienced something I had never experienced. And I was happy that Hart was 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 experienced something I had never experienced. And I was rejoicing in that. I was delighting in that. And the psalmist is saying that that's that, that even more so that's there for the taking for the Lord's word is pure. It can be counted on. It can be trusted. It says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. You think about I mean as I get older I'm 44. I think more of that hey, I'm, I'm, my life's getting shorter now. I've kind of gone to the hit and halfway point. I'm heading, I'm heading the opposite way. And we think about just the things that, that everything that we have. I mean, if you ever go back to an old town you lived in, it's, it's not the same. The trees are bigger or you know, they're gone or everything's different than the way you remembered it. But the Word is never different. It's always consistent. It's always strengthening. It's always pure. It's perfect. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I mean, y'all think about it. To most people who don't know Jesus Christ, the Bible is a uh, death sentence. An eternal death sentence. It condemns them, right? The Word of God condemns them. But for those who know Jesus Christ, it's life everlasting. 
It's eternal. We see, we see so many analogies where Jesus Christ was a word and he was, he, would be, he was with God. He created all things. We see he, he, he was existing before creation and we see that he's existed all things. We hear that Jesus Christ has become flesh. You think about the word endures forever and you see that in the song. His word endures forever. His love endures forever. It's over and over and over. And God's word is eternal. We see that they're all connected to who wrote it and who is it. My mom used to sing this song and it would be a good way to delight in it. And I'll try it. Some of you are familiar with it. It's in the Trinity Hymnal. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey, and the honeycomb. You can sing scripture. Some of you musical gifted people, you can put new music to the Psalms and just delight in it. And sing in it. And sing in it in your despair. And delight in it in your, in your hardship. And, delight, and bask in creation. When you're, when you're at the most low point of your life, to go out and hear the preacher of creation saying, I exist and I have made myself known in my word. Delight in those things and your worship will be enhanced. It will be grown. You'll be singing like the psalmist. My Holy Spirit will move you to amen these truths. And even in the most darkest moment of your life or the most grievous, sad moments in your life, there's hope and joy and peace. There for the taking it with my presence and with, with these things. And then the psalmist, and this is what we do, y'all. Whenever we start thinking about how great God is, and whenever we start thinking about how wonderful His Word is, and that He wants to have a conversation with us. Think about some of you girls who, who, whose husbands fall far short in conversation. Probably most of them. Or maybe you, maybe it's the other way around. You're just, you just, you just long for it. I had a, uh, a dear friend come see with me, and he just wanted to have time of conversation, just time to sit down and talk. God is there. He wants to talk to us in His Word. He wants to conversate with us. And what the psalmist does is what he does in Psalm 139. That's one of my favorite passages. If you read Psalm 139, it talks about God's knowledge of what's going on inside of us. He's not some deistic God who just winds up the clock and says. I don't care what's going on. They'll take care of themselves. He knows all those things about us. He's with us everywhere we go. He even knit us together in our mother's womb. He's written out all our days before any of them came to be. And all those truths hit the psalmist. And he says, search me, O God. Show me my wicked way so I can run from it. I'm ready to run from it. Show it to me so that I can run from it. As I bask in this truth, show it to me and I'll run away. Lead me away from that, Lord. Lead me away from that wickedness. And the psalmist does it here. Job does it. And if you think about the hole Job was in and the poor counseling he got, pastoral counseling he got, and all these horrible things going on for him. And, and then he, he, he's sitting there, and finally God speaks. And he says, Do you know when the deer gives birth? Do you hold back the oceans? Do you know, do you know all the things I know? And what was Job's response? Was God get off my back? No, it was. Well, he's like, oh, I'll shut my mouth. I'll say no more. Isaiah, when he saw the, the robe of God in the temple, he had that vision. What was his response? Woe is me, for I'm undone. Y'all, the more we bask 
in who God is and His greatness, it impacts us starting to say, oh, I'm so unworthy. I'm, it, it, I'm so, I'm so, I'm, how, can I, how can I rebel against this? How can I rebel against a great God who I should fear? How can I rebel against a God that, that, that has saved me from my sins and declared me righteous in Christ Jesus? And so the psalmist does what all the people do when they get a glimpse of who God is. He says, who can understand His error? Why in the world do I keep sinning? In the translation we read, the ESV, it says, um, who can discern His errors? Declare me innocent from my faults. They're on my mind. I see them. And then He, then he acknowledges that keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. No, I'm sorry. I, I skipped too far. He says, um, I'm going to read you from the translation here, the King James. It says in this passage, he says in verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Show me the, the things that I don't see, the hidden sin in my life. Now, all of us have it. There's sin that you've become blinded to. You don't think there's anything wrong about it. But the more you bask in these truths about God, you listen to these two preachers creation and His Word, the more you'll start to say, oh, I shouldn't do that. Well, I didn't realize that was inappropriate. That was, a, that was a sinful attitude. And He's saying, God, show me this. I know that I don't see all my sins. Show me my hidden faults. And then He says, also keep, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. He's saying, help me with the sins I know about. But I'm just not willing to give up. Help me with that continual selfishness, that continual arrogance and pride and not being teachable. Help me with these things that I know about, but I justify and I argue all the time, whether it's with my parents or whether it's with the preacher or whether it's with the sermon of the day. Help me with that as well. Don't let them have dominion over me. Don't let my sin blind me so much that I don't hear the preaching of creation and I don't hear the preaching of the Word. That's what the Lord said. And that's what those preachers are doing. They're showing us that we need Jesus, not just for our salvation so we can put our little passport to heaven in our pocket, but this continual need for Jesus every day to do the things that He's called us to. And you wonder why David's delighting in the law. He's saying, the law shows me I'm undone. The law shows me I can't do it. The law shows me that I need a Savior, a Redeemer, according to verse 14. I need to be purchased. I need to be bought back. This quote here says, How odious. My mom used that word one time. She told me the wrong definition. I missed it on the SAT. How odious is the, is the profaneness of those Christians who neglect the Holy Scriptures and give themselves to reading other books how many precious hours do many spend and that not only on work days but holy days in foolish romances, fabulous histories, and lascivious poems. This was written before TV because I think TV would have been all in here. And I'm not saying it's wrong to read recreationally. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch TV. But think of all the time we spend soaking in the lies of the world rather than the Word of God. We always say, I don't have time to read the Scripture. We have time to watch our favorite show. We have time to watch our favorite team. 
what an example the psalmist has. Let's think about these things as we approach the Lord's table. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for these things, these two preachers. Lord, we not only thank You for Justin Kendrick, who You've raised up to preach, us, preach to us from God's Word. Lord, You've raised up many preachers that we can find online to hear the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Father, I pray that as we respond in song, as we approach Your table, uh, Lord, that You would um, not just start a work in our heart, but You take us to the full place that we need to be. You take us to that point of repentance. Don't just show us our sins we don't see. Don't just show us, the, the, um, remind us of the sins we've committed to in, in one way or another, even, even maybe in an unknown way. Lord, move us away from that. Lord, help us instead of kind of being the finger pointer to maybe the person sitting beside us that we know better than anybody, help us to only point that finger at us and help us to be um, <coughs> allowing you to deal with us individually. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would point a finger at us individually and transform us. Lord, not only for this blessed table that you've given us, another preacher of the gospel, but Lord, um, this message today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for how great you are. We glory in your creation. And we do ask that you would give us not just moments of delighting in your word, but you would grow that to be large portions of our time delighting in your word on this earth. Lord, thank you for both of them in Jesus' name. Amen.